And we're back talking to Chris uh, on why we have markets, what they are and how we work within them. Um, now, the reason we're talking about this is because a lot of us don't understand this again, uh, including me, who have very rudimentary. Uh, yeah, we could have brought in a less of an expert to ask questions, but uh, my layman is busy studying um, right now for exams. So it's going to have to be me who's done some reading, unfortunately. Um, uh, sorry the topic. about that. <laughs> I did choose yeah. the topic and force <laughs> you to read on this. So <laughs> that's my bad. Oh, no. I, I, I've been slowly wading into economics. But um, the there's a lot of opposition to the idea of a market itself where you should have a government or some powerful entity just controlling it in order to give people what they need, uh, each according to their wants, each according to their, uh, each according to their abilities, each according to their needs, um, which hasn't historically worked out very well. Um, so I don't even know if I'm quoting that right. Yeah, we are. But uh, yeah, so we need to actually explore what this thing is that we are either that people in our society in North America are either decrying as an evil or uh, hailing as a savior when it is just what it is. So we're trying to explore the actual nature of the beast without any uh, hagiography or demonization. So um, where did you want to start? Uh, this part too. Well, I was I was thinking of picking off sort of some of the low lying fruit that we left behind from the last part. Um, mo okay, most yeah. not not just uh, what, what do you call that when you do something ahead of time foreshadowing, but in retrospect. Anyway, whatever. I was gonna go back Inside? to what we were talking about with the uh, the pyramids and uh, the and then grow our our small analogy of the the micro community the little you know right. hunter gatherer community to explore like the the way we might go about um governing uh a market system so that it is maximizing the synergies and the synergies obviously being the whole of summer greater than the sum of its parts so All the connections just, between people that allow them to do things <laughs> yeah, and that sort of goes into like the whole the whole tariffs and subsidies and all, all the type of regulation that we sort of um, got to at the end of the first part. Um, but to start, I wanted to to reiterate on the the pyramids or the uh, the Greek monuments or uh, Eiffel Tower you had mentioned too. Like those things seem uh, frivolous and and grandiose and wasteful in in their nature, sort of when they're being built. But the aftershocks of doing things like space exploration and it, it reverberates throughout the economy in so many ways that we can't foresee. And it's because we can't foresee it that it makes it uh, valuable. So the value isn't in having a pyramid that just stands there. Um, I mean, that is valuable, especially to went to like places prone to sandstorms where you need to find direction and whatever. Like, it's great to have a giant pillar that says, hey, your big city's over here. <laughs> it was the lighthouse of Alexandria, for example. Yeah, yeah. So, so example of that. There's utility to them as a society, and even if we're not all seafarers ourselves, sitting on a boat hoping to find land in a in a storm, 
um, we should all be able to appreciate the fact that there are people on boats who ship our goods and we do want them to not capsize. So mm -hmm. that's the type of and thinking we need to have when we start regulating markets. It's not to see personal gain or benefit. It's imagine if we were building a city and trying to make as many people happy as possible and not just happy as in the happiness sake. I'm saying like their needs are provided. So in, mm -hmm. as long as we have things like homelessness and poverty um, in a country as rich and well-educated as Canada, just as an example um, for our basis of comparison, I, I think it's, it's really nonsensical to overlook the long, the long-term benefits of um, building monuments because just be, just because it's not apparently obvious or evidently obvious to us in the moment that, you know, space exploration might not have any benefits until we actually do it. Um, likewise, we develop maths to uh, plot and landscape or to survey land. And uh, we develop methods for leveling out blocks and carving out structures. And we develop tools for moving heavy objects um, cranes for, for lifting, which again gets back to the whole leverage thing. Because <laughs> yeah. a crane is essentially just a lever that's put on a giant post that can hold a bunch of weight, right? You put a counterweight well, on one side and it lifts an arm up and down so that it can carry other <clears throat> on the other side. Two, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. Two of the massive, uh, seemingly frivolous projects that we've seen in the 20th century come to mind. Um, the moon mission and the space program being one of them and the Manhattan project being the other, uh, which both contributed greatly to our understanding of the world, the universe and contribute a lot of small things that we uh, take for granted uh, every day. Um, like the CERN project. And yeah, the CERN project is one of them. And the CERN project and the space program especially were seemingly frivolous expenditures of money that produced something that was of not immediately evident good, but it wasn't just, let's see if we can build the biggest army on the planet and we can march it around and they can use it to destroy stuff. The benefit, like my job at the coffee shop of an army gives no after benefit other than employing a bunch of people, but something like the space program CERN or even the Manhattan project, even though it was used to explode people um, was also these things produced. Um, uh, I guess the coffee shop uh, job blue, but it's a luxury <laughs> good. Um, most people could afford. Right. And everybody needs the affordable is, luxuries, in my opinion. That these things brought secondary benefits because they weren't just uh, they weren't just solving an immediate good. Uh, they brought a uh, all these other things that you were talking about. But even if we create a park in the middle of a city, um, you're employing all these people to create a park, but that park is still productive. It mm -hmm. creates a space where people can go and unwind. It's not immediately evident. So if you create a, um, if you're creating a, you know, the world's biggest uh, thing that you're going to explode and it's gone, just like uh, that. But if you create a park and it, everyone around it gets to use it 
and then it creates well-being. You get a nicer area. Uh, you can move away from, I guess, what was it, the broken windows theory of economics, where people will be less likely to engage in the economy if there's broken windows and looks like a riot went through there. But if you beautify things, people will be more inclined to do it. So the benefits are you get a more relaxed populace. You get a populace that gets to see beauty and therefore uh, is more uh, psychologically uh, stable. And then from the myriad things of that, but at the same time, people are more likely to uh, invest there because they have the security of knowing that this is a place that a park is able to be maintained. And therefore, I could probably maintain a business in that area. Yeah, if you see broken windows, kind of you're going to be like, trust uh, in the market. Exactly. So mm-hmm. you have an edifice like a park, but then you also have uh, a monument like, um, it's not really a visible monument, uh, like the space program. Uh, or something we did as a society uh, in the West uh, that benefited us and gave us a direction. Uh, and, and to take it cynically misses the entire point uh, to just say, oh, we're just doing that because the Soviets. It's like, well, that's one of the reasons. And yeah, we they, the, the Americans won. And yeah, I'd say it's just and as absurd if, if to take it absolutely too, right? To say that like this is worthwhile mm-hmm. just because it makes me money is also absurd because money to yes. beget money to beget yes. money is yeah, it's pointless. Well, the other thing is how many people have we met that worked just so that they could be doing something? Uh, I remember when I was just entering the workforce, I was working at stocking shelves and I met seniors coming and being like, I needed something to do. (laughs) I don't even care about the paycheck. They just want to be in public interacting and, you know, doing something. Working in a music store just because you love music and want to be surrounded by music all the time. Yeah. Yeah. When you could be doing other uh, less meaningful things for more money. We, yeah, we don't profit that in should just be more. like the height. That's what we should be shooting for. We should want a society where people can just pick a job because they want to do it and because there's a need to be fulfilled. Um, I think it would right. be a great place society to live. society will when smack them sh- down every once in a while being like, no, that's unreasonable. Pack. Yeah. <laughs> but I also wouldn't want to <laughs> saying, no, you can't sell music because we have too many music dealers or you can't be a guitarist because no. we have too many guitar players already. Like that's not freedom to me. So like there's this equilibrium balance that we need to find in every economy where price is usually what dictates that intermediate balance because it it doesn't tell people they can't do it, but it incentivizes people to do the productive thing when they need to. So that overall in the grand in a macro perspective, people choose jobs that fulfill the greatest need because that's where the price is. That's where the pay is. Now going to art, if you see or art and music, if you see everyone painting a painting in this style and you see everyone, everyone playing a guitar, you don't need to be told. It's like, I love playing guitar, but everyone's doing it. I want to do something new and different. I want to paint a different type of thing. Mm-hmm. And that is a, that itself that, that like, I need to do something that will get my art noticed. And I need to do something that's, that means new. That means something different. And that means, um, ditch the guitar, grab, what if I made an electric guitar? And then everyone, then they just did the thing and everyone's like, that sounds neat. Do something weird with that. And 
people liked it. It was new, but then everyone started playing electric guitar. So you got to get creative with it. And the humans don't stagnate very well. We want mm-hmm. to see something different and it's built into us. Cause if we stay in one spot and we, we, we hunt it, we hunt everything in that one spot. We're like, Oh, well, there's no food here. What are we going to do? No, you be like, well, we need to move on and, and, and find something new. But even if we're we eating deer and we have a glut of deer that we could just eat constantly, we're still going to look for new food to eat. Like, right. This is so what humans like have, do. I'm sick of deer. <laughs> And that that definitely does help us uh, biologically because if you only eat one thing in your diet, then you're not getting everything you need. So you you want to go find fish and berries and veggies and fruits because it 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 diversifies your diet and makes you healthier. That's why it really bothers me when they when when they have this opinion on, on on economics where if they give people their bare necessities, then they'll stop working. Like to me, that's asinine. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm not just saying yeah. that as a, as an indie artist who's released an album and given it away for free because I know the market's saturated with rappers and nobody needs more rappers. I just wanted to do it. I had something well, to say and I had the equipment to record and I had something to learn. So I did it. And that's what, well, that's what we're doing here. Do. We're bored. We when, want to produce. We want to be productive. Yeah. When so our needs are this. fulfilled, that's when we're our best though. We can go to work yeah. just to subsist and get our food and shelter and clothing and whatever. But as long as we have that freedom and that spare time, all that spare time is the the realization of our the synergies of the markets. That's that's like the benefit that we get to having a big market system with a bunch of experts is we get mm-hmm. the free time to do the thing that we're born to be good at or like to do. Yeah. The exercise so, of your vital powers. And yeah. That's that's a good point because I, I do find that because we do have as a society and this is like it's rampant in advertising. It's like now you have the time to do nothing. Look at all this nothing. And they show like yeah. you know middle aged happy like, people being like oh I can do nothing. So content laying there being massaged by you know it's like he's sitting on a beach drinking which is completely unhealthy psychologically and physically. Um, and like it's nice to be on a beach after when you went and that's the thing when i earn it is when i mm. want to be on a beach i right now i can't do archival work so i'm doing this and i'm tutoring and i'm doing all this stuff to keep myself busy because if i stop i actually become unhappy <laughs> and that yeah, rest you strap makes, a pack and you go hiking and <laughs> yeah i've got like it's strapping weights to my legs because i need a i need a challenge and that is a simple challenge to bide my time. You were time restoring until... firearms too. Oh yeah, I was doing that. That was fun. And your uh, books, like, <laughs> well, I'm reading and studying. But like, I need to apply it, and that's what this is. This is me putting something out there, and you that other people that will create more value for other people. And so I'm using my time, and I'm spending my time and my my effort uh, in order to put this out there maybe someone will listen to it and then everyone will be smarter and then therefore i'll have you know maybe someone will make use these ideas to create something or to motivate them or to something but either way if anything positive comes out it out of it my world is a better place for me to live in mm-hmm. this is an investment and if our words <laughs> inspire someone to correct us and say something smarter or better or prove us yeah. wrong then there's a proof that didn't exist before or it's a proof that yeah. existed that we didn't know of that now we know of. So like it, it Plus, multiplies the expansion of knowledge multiplies all benefits to all people. 
And I think this keeps me healthy. It keeps my marriage healthy because I'm doing something and not just sitting there and coach being like, why didn't didn't someone give me a job? Yeah. And then I take it out of my life or something. That's (laughs) that's not how that would not be a good use of my time and effort. And and getting Um, back to the economics principles, I think this, this sort of really fundamentally is the point that I was trying to, um, the opinion point though, that I was trying to get across (laughs) that, um, for us to be able to engage in all of these uh, extracurricular, as we'll call them, uh, activities of our human nature, we need to be able yeah. to trust that the uh, the specialists do their jobs. We need to trust that the wood gatherer gathers the wood for us and that we don't have to worry about it. We can just fish and make our fish hooks and that somebody else right. can trust that we're going to make fish hooks. So when they need one, they've got their, their seamstress needles or something from a fish hook we made. So getting back to an, old, right. an older episode of ours that I think was a topic that you selected, I, I think is very poignant in, in this. Function. Oh yeah, my thought experiment. Your thought experiment. Yeah, so. And yeah, the uh, the idea of trust and leaving, letting people. Now, I feel like a lot of people are going to comment on that being like, so you want me to just trust the government? Or you want me to just, it's like, no. no, no. Like that trust <laughs> can be violated. Trust. Not blind trust. <laughs> no. Educated trust. Just yeah, like let people do their job, and if they screw up, don't buy their stuff or take them to court. It's more like delegation. Um, <laughs> we're delegating. Yeah, it's a delegation. Experts in their field to do their jobs properly, and that requires regulation yeah. and oversight. But we're hoping minimal. We want the least yeah, amount of minimal pressure on them. Because the fewer people doing oversight, if we if we have everyone watching the watchers, then you know everyone's not doing anything. It's like um, that parody of american surveillance where they you know everyone's got their fbi guy and so like half the country's watching the other half of the country online yeah. and then then you or have like half every the country spy movie doing... has a spy on the spy <laughs> yeah and that's like that ends up being like everyone's a spy for three people it's like no i don't want to live in that world like yeah. i read enough solzhenitsyn to realize that that's not <laughs> fun we just need to just let people be heretics to uh, theory and move on with their lives. Who cares? Everyone's going to believe different stuff anyway. So just let them be people. And that comes to the market. You can't control the market. So you kind of have to have an element of trust in it. And I don't really want to say faith because um, faith implies that it's not going to screw up and that people aren't going to make wrong decisions and people are going to make wrong decisions and you're going to have to deal with problems and you're going to have to deal with unforeseen stuff. Like in January, the market had no idea what was coming in February and March. Oh, I did. And I so tweeted. it was going on. <laughs> yeah, but tweets are, are like. Okay, it's a permanent record to show that I knew better. And I'm just proud of that. <laughs> Twitter sucks. Get off of Twitter. <laughs> just um, tooting my own horn, but, that's all. Yeah, twitting your own horn. Twitting my but, own horn. Uh, Tooting. Okay, but like, let's go further back into September and October when we thought, oh, I've got this plan for 2021 and I got this plan for 2020. It's like, I had plans. Yeah. <laughs> Those went out the window. Uh, and the entire planet had plans, which changed. And if you have faith, the market to recover, no, no, no. This, you have, it's not gonna, it's not working itself. People are working every day on, uh, in the market to make things happen. So you have to trust that it's working and that it's going, but you can't have faith that it'll just fix. 
Um, and that's where so, planning comes into play, though. Like contingency planning for the rainy right. days. And I think the only way to adequately plan for a contingency, it's, it's not to be pessimistic and just think of the worst things and plan for all of them. It's to be the most ready you yeah. can be with the fewest resources possible. Again, it comes down to economics. You want a cost-benefit analysis yeah. where you're prepared for many situations, but no one particular you're uh, investing all your eggs in. So a good example to this might be like the energy sector. Here in Canada, we mm -hmm. refined, pun intended, we refined the process of extracting shale oil from oil sands. Um, but the weird thing about Canada is we're sending a lot of our raw shale across the border to be refined because economies of scale in the U.S. provide um, more cost-effective refinement of those products. And then we buy back the plastic goods of the refined oil or energy um, product, which is, which is fine in principle. I'm not against it in principle. But what's weird to me is that when the price spikes up to 150 bucks or $120 a barrel, where it's, you know, Stable, stable prices between 40 and 70. Um, but when it, when it mm. grows, when it rises below that, like it was at zero for the options markets earlier this year, because they just didn't have anywhere to store it. Oh, yeah. It's ludicrous. Like, that, that should never they happen in a regular market. And making them drive around. Yeah. They were making boats they just float paying. around and burn oil floating around so they'd have more room to store more oil. Like it was absolutely insane by definition. But, what yeah. would make sense, though, is if if you can sell all of your natural limited scarce resource at a high price in one event like this, what you're doing is providing a service to the rest of the world when it's in high demand, because that's why the price is so high, is that people want to buy it and they can't. If you sell all your mm -hmm. oil and keep the proceeds to replenish uh, an energy source, for instance, develop education and research into... Um, um, nuclear energy, nuclear power. So if you divest from like what Saudi Arabia is doing, if you divest from your natural limited resources and invest into something that is replenishable and renewable, then there's absolutely no problem with wasting and spending all of your natural resources all at once. Where it becomes a problem is when corporations or entities that have no um, moral compunction to help mankind at all. They're just profit motive seeking things. When those enterprises mm. are getting people elected and those elected people are creating policies and those policies are allowing companies to retain all of uh, or a majority or a vast amount of the benefits from selling all of that national resource, it's not going into developing nuclear products then. It's just being accumulated in a very small segment of the market system, like one one or two bit major players. And that's where there's a dysfunction because the synergies again are cut off once somebody extracts more productivity than they inject. When their inputs are less than their outputs, um, Sorry, that's a bad way of putting it. Um, when their net, when their costs of producing something, like the cost of society, I'm talking about, not the cost of the company. When our cost is allowing somebody to accumulate a vast wealth on a limited, scarce resource that is technically belonging to all of the people, you expect them to get some sort of benefit out of it in return, and. Insofar as we are regulating markets for the sake of stability and longevity, 
that output, the um, the net gain from those excessive oil sales for in this example, should go towards producing something that is going to sustain us in the long term. And that's just my opinion, but that's my opinion based on the function of market. The reason why we started, we built a market and said, hey, if you've got bricks, come here. If you've got wood, come here. If you've got food, come here. The reason why we congregate to one spot and regulate a marketplace is to realize the the synergies from those expertise industries working together. Well, it's it's synergy being a connection between people, uh, being a relate a type of relationship. The the uh, the physically uh, uh, <clears throat> the physical congregation of a marketplace facilitates that when people are closer they can talk to each other because before there were phones you and 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 easy ways of communicating you had to be face to face with someone in order to make that deal Mm -hmm. and that facilitated so you had marketplaces where um you know you would have people with their papers representing what they had in their warehouse which was close because if it's too far away it's not worth it because distance is in itself Part of the equation. The cost, so marketplaces yeah. became right, and then cities grew up around these, especially uh, in places like um, northern Italy, where you have uh, Florence, Bologna, Venice, um, and the Milan, Genoa, these trading towns, which grew around these marketplaces and became centers of trade, uh, because people can't just well now we have the internet, which is a kind of a virtual center of trade. Um, but it represents the same thing because we need a place to bring people together in order for them to do that work. And it sounds simple, but this is a simple thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of like building a car to communicate while you're driving it because all these parts are constantly moving. So it's like putting extra yes. wheels and extra cylinders into the car while you're moving forward. It's, it's, it's exceedingly complicated. I'm trying to oversimplify right. the conceptual realization of what we're talking. And discussing. No, I like that. And to stop the car would be foolhardy because yeah. you you can't, like, will you be able to start it again? Yeah, uh, you're making no progress while and, you've stopped. And if you're capable of building right. driving, you might as well. Yeah, and... Uh, that's why we kind of can't, um, and this kind of comes, I don't know if it was Friedrich Hayek, can't solve, you can't just stop society and solve one problem at a time. Uh, because uh, we're existing as a group of people, we're all dealing with different problems. And if we solve one problem, then the other problems are all going to get worse. So, you know, you, you stop the car and fix the tires, but now the engine doesn't work. And now you have two problems. Yeah. So and generally our resolutions create more problems. Just like when we invented a stock yeah. market, it created new problems. And then we created like capital gains taxes so that, you know, we even out the, uh, the distribution of taxation because it was excessive at 30 something percent. But like to drop corporate mm-hmm. taxes down to like zero or 2% or have tax havens is counterproductive to the entire economy. Nobody but the people saving from taxes benefits from a tax haven. There is zero benefit to the public. And if the public isn't benefiting from a marketplace's synergies, the public should be vehemently opposed to the market. They should say, well, you can't participate if we're not benefiting from it. 
that's the purpose of the market to bring yeah. goods together to everyone's benefit. So right. the, the problem is with manipulation, basically. It's when people intentionally impose their will and volition into something based on their own um, personal objectives. And that's fine as far as setting a price goes because you want to get the best price and determining the best price is finding the equilibrium between supply and demand. But once you have a market player that not only sets the price, but sets the supply, it's dysfunctional. No matter how profitable it is, you can't regale the person for being wealthy, for having created this or for having manipulated a system into creating their own wealth. All they're doing then is extracting resources from everybody else that's participating. That, that, that's not something to applaud. When he who shall not be named is proud of not paying taxes because he's a businessman, no businessman is a good businessman if you don't pay taxes. What you're essentially saying is that you're a welfare case. Like you should not be proud of taking money from everybody else to get rich. Look how many subsidies I got from the government. It's like it's just welfare for a business. Yeah. But you can be proud of being a farmer who receives subsidies because you're feeding the country. You've earned that subsidy. You're providing a, a yeah. national benefit and a security blanket for the entire population. You deserve it. You earn it. But to get a subsidy to be Amazon or, or Walmart and wipe out small, um, small vendors so that these small vendors then lose their, their, you know, their $40,000 a year job or 50 or 60 or $80,000 a year, like mom and pop shop yeah, and end up working at treading water. Amazon. Yeah. An Amazon factory where they're essentially robots just because they're cheaper than robots are to build. As soon as robots are cheaper yeah. to build than human beings, you can be sure Amazon's going to drop all these jobs. So the problem with the way that we're looking at economics, like macroeconomics today, from a governance and social policy perspective, is we're looking at things like job numbers on a weekly basis, and we're making decisions based on numbers that we manipulate. Those jobs numbers aren't relative to good jobs. You can have two part-time jobs for one person, and that's a double in the number of jobs. That doesn't mean your economy is better off for having two coffee shop jobs instead of one plumbing job. The economy is much better off when you're a sustainable, stable plumber, not an Uber driver on the weekends because you can't afford tuition. So even though your jobs yeah, numbers... Yeah, there's nothing wrong with saving double, up, but... <laughs> the, well, it's it's like I remember working four jobs at one point at a time, but oh. I wanted to, I was saving up for school and I wanted to, I wasn't really getting very far, but I, I, I made up enough to start, or I made up enough to start school, but then I went and did other stuff. I'm not like more money, more money, more money, because I knew that it'd be ludicrous that as much money as I could make at a coffee shop would be, I could make that savings up that I could do over six months in a couple of weeks, uh, working a job after I uh -huh. had uh, done it. So um, and the whole I, point of our expertise my... was to have you sit in one place and do work that provides you a bunch of free time. If you're spending four times as much time mm -hmm. commuting to different jobs and each one of those jobs yeah, isn't that's... on its own enough to support you, then you're wasting more of the economy and the, the market's not serving its function then. That's where you're losing the synergy. Well, you're spending an hour of your life commuting. You're yeah. spending time and the business as if it was a commodity labor. on your job. <laughs> yeah. Hmm? And the business is still saving money on your labor by giving you part-time work instead of full-time. 
but the economy as yeah, a whole, the telling society you to s- isn't benefiting from it. We're losing because you right, telling you to come in five minutes before you're actually supposed to start. Yeah, it, that's a, that's that. And you're exhausted. <laughs> no, you're don't stressed start out. The- you're underappreciated. You're disgruntled, and yeah, cascades. Everything gets worse and worse the more you overextend people. Uh, and that's not the function of the I market. Was so bitter. Is to give us less extension, so we have more free time. <laughs> because we're more productive that way. Yeah. Well, in Edmonton, there's the uh, this rapid transit system that they're trying to build, but everyone's saying, "Oh, everyone should just be able to buy a car." But if you if if you put money into rapid transit, then more people from further across the city are going to be able to do jobs easier, and they'll have more time to do these jobs, and you'll have happier workers, you'll have better rested workers uh, with more money and less stress and there'll be better workers for you and the it's and well, everyone should just buy a car and use the roads. the roads here the roads here in edmonton are garbage yeah <laughs> so well when all these people not as bad cars, as gotten no, it goes the worst towards roads like, I've ever seen sorry no, I was just saying the wor- the worst roads I've seen in Canada are in Gatineau <laughs> <laughs> no no Saskatoon man <laughs> Regina and Saskatoon are the Oh, uh, yeah, maybe. But yeah, it's usually. The, the money we spend on vehicles, like individual vehicles, for the, for the amount of time the vehicles are sitting there. And this doesn't just go for cars, it goes for computers too. We have so much processing power in computers mm-hmm. and they just sit idle for 99% of the time. And I mean, there's not really much ways yeah. to fix that. But the point is, if everybody has a car, well, I was running most my- of them don't need it because yeah, they. Cool. They only use it because of rapid transit's not available to them. You're paying people for owning parking lots. Eventually, your product, your productive labor goes into paying for a car. And paying for a car means licenses, insurance, car accidents, damage from hail. Like all these things cost us as a society because it's money out of pocket from productive yeah. work that goes into something that's useless. So it, it's well, not what I used just to the individual's was, relationship would... with the market. It's also like society's relationship with the market. Our society is supposed to be yeah. pushing the market towards something net positive. So, well, I remember in Winnipeg, and this does have a point, I promise. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember in Winnipeg, what I would do is I, I, I owned a car and uh, I would not use it for four or five months of the year during the summer. Uh, I would just take my bike uh, most places uh, to work and I would just try and get a job somewhere where I could do that. And I, I got really fit, but um, it was, it saved me a lot of money and I was able to put that money to better use, you know, food uh, and stuff like that. Um, and I was learning how to manage that aspect of my interaction with the market. And I think that's one of the key things is how are you interacting with the market? Um, because I realized that like, oh, everyone thinks, oh, you need a car. It's like, I don't really need a car, but I don't like taking the bus either. So I'm just going to get a bike and I'll bike everywhere. Cause then I'm, I'm traveling to work and I'm using my time getting to work, uh, exercising and I'll grab some headphones and I'll be reading an audiobook while I'm doing that. So I'm tripling my time mm-hmm. by getting a bike and in fact, in, in fact, making more money, uh, by doing that. Um, and I'm getting a lot of value out of my time. Uh, so like these things here, I listen to audiobooks through here and I'm doubling my time. And that's the way I'm interacting 
with my world. I'm thinking, what, how am I interacting? My car lets me do this. My job lets me do this. My job is like this. Is this job working for me? Am I interacting with the market in the most effective way that I can? Um, <clears throat> what do I need to do to more effectively work with the market? And we do this every day. Um, can I buy a better house? Should I downgrade my house? Should I sell my car? Should I, uh, should I walk there? Should I drive there? Uh, and more confidence you have, generally you'll take more risks. You'll drive to the store instead of walking to the store, which is a use of uh, an unnecessary use of resources. But why not? That's your prerogative. Mm-hmm. But you it's have a benefit to, to having wealth. I think this too. is like it's an earned reward for the hard right. work too. So. Something we can do as uh, as members in this market is be aware of our own meta game mm-hmm. and our own meta interaction with it, and that will allow one to better act on it. Um, you have money. What can you do with the money? What do you want to do with the money? You want to invest it. You want to spend it and buy stuff. You know what? It's fine to buy stuff. It's not a bad thing. How much of it do you use for this? And how much do you keep for yourself? And how much do you save for a rainy day? Like everybody's got to make those. And it's not going to be a black and white. Like there's a right answer to it. Everybody's going to come up with a slightly different response to how much money they should have saved or how much they should spend on, you know, gratuities. And and that's fine. But when I was a range that when I was poor, I found it easier to spend my money because well, when I was poor, I found it easier to spend my money because, you know, any savings, uh, like I put savings in a savings jar just in case, and it did come in handy. But generally, savings was of no use to me because uh, it's like, oh, great, I'll put a couple nickels in the jar every every week. I might as well spend it on something, you know, some extra food that I can enjoy better, uh, mm-hmm. get a small luxury. Um, yeah, get something once a month that will uh benefit me more or um buy a gift for somebody with money i don't can't like that would you know be part of my security blanket mm-hmm. and um i didn't well you should be saving your money it's like saving what money <laughs> <laughs> well five bucks adds up over time it's like yeah five bucks every week for two years is this much money but if prices keep going up, yeah. it doesn't. That's the funny thing. Like they'll tell us to right. spend money, the lower borrowing costs, and then they'll say like, "Oh, consumer debt's at record highs, but we need to we need to encourage consumer spending." At the same time, in the same breath, they'll tell people to save more money and spend more money, and they'll make it cheaper to spend money you don't have. Right. That, that's what our policy is doing right now because we're not thinking rationally about the function and purpose of the market. We're looking at a jobs number and saying, oh, jobs numbers went up because one person lost a full-time job and got three part-time jobs. Well, looking at the jobs number is only useful if the jobs are relatively good. If they're unrelative, then yeah. your, your, your metric is wrong. You're shooting for a shoreline that's not even covered in water. <laughs> yeah. So. That, that's so. sort of the whole point that I wanted to get to with this discussion. And I'm so grateful that you indulge me and, you know, probe and ask the right questions and everything. Cause, um, I, I think it's absolutely critical that even people who aren't into economics and don't enjoy it, they should realize they're already doing it first and foremost. Secondly, that our power to vote for people who are competent at managing this type of thing at regulation. 
they should not be promoting to you that they're going to raise minimum wage because it'll directly impact and raise your benefit, your, your standard of living. They should be able to tell you quantifiably through math how raising the minimum wage will affect you because it affects the people around you. As soon as they tell you that they're, they're, um, you're voting for them so that they'll fix your life problems, they're not looking at the macro scale of the economy. They're looking at a micro scale of the economy. And you can't fix a macro economy with a micro approach. It's just impossible because the micro approach is to sell at the highest possible price everything you have. Mm-hmm. That, that's not a sustainable way to live in the long term. Yeah. And big, every business big, owner big that gets that hears that we're going to raise minimum wage, every every small business owner is just like, yeah, they oh, I got to get my resume together, I guess. Uh, I guess this neighborhood doesn't have a hardware store anymore. Yeah. So. And who benefits from that? You know, Home yeah. Depot does. And their shareholders benefit from the low-wage workers at Home Depot. And well, Home then Depot's the Home Depot employees there. get fewer benefits. So, like... That's the thing. And there's no longevity to it. It's a temporary quarter-by-quarter analysis of what things are worth and what we're going to extract from productive labor out of the market. And I think that's what's wrong with regulation. And regulation is all politics, as far as I'm concerned. It's everything to do with regulation. And the way the regulation set up is by the people who are sponsoring the overseeing committees, the oversight bodies. So Mm -hmm. that goes for like standard um, Moody's uh, credit reporting agencies like um, Equifax and TransUnion, who are somehow like the guarantors of everybody's credit scores. Like, who gave them permission for that? They're private companies. Why is it mandatory that my credit card reports to somebody else and tells them how much I owe? Like, that's absurd. As a market economy, we should all say, like, yeah, we need a credit reporting agency, but we should be the ones electing it. Like, Well, you're getting at an interesting point here with with the words you're using. Um, And I've kind of said this before, and you've probably heard me say it, uh, but I'm 35 and I don't have a credit card. And I had no really intention of getting one. And this comes from me being a fire breather in the past, but it also kind of a, a thing. But I prefer to vote directly with my money. And that's one thing that we're doing is that you're voting with your vote as a citizen in a society with these laws that we've agreed on, more or less. Uh, but one thing that you're doing constantly is that you are voting with every purchase. So when you buy something from your local store, when you buy bread from your local bakery, you're voting for your local baker. When you're buying from China, well, shame on you. Because um, you your money is going to support a collectivist regime where, well, you've heard the stories. Um, so if it says made in Taiwan, yes, that is better than made in China. Vote that way. Uh, and you can definitely walk into a shop and say, where is this made? Who, who, where, like, are, what are you using? Is this fair trade or is this, this kind of thing? How is this manufactured? Where is it manufactured? Is this made in the Mikleadors of, uh, of Mexico or is this made yeah. by, uh, you know, somebody in the States who's getting paid a living wage? Uh, and like, or is this we- made by, yeah. So you're, you're voting and you're saying when you buy something from made by almost slave labor in Mexico, uh, you're saying that that's okay. Mm-hmm. And 
Like, um, and when you spend sixty dollars on cosmetics it, and you donate five dollars to the homeless shelter, that says what your priorities are. Yeah, uh, I'm not against. I mean, yeah, I am personally I, against makeup, but I don't think they shouldn't sell it. But like, analyze your priorities. Biden just said it in a to quote the president elect said, show me your budget and I'll tell you what you value. Don't just tell me what you value. Show yeah. me your budget and yeah. I'll tell you what you value. <laughs> mm -hmm. But like, so, that, Oh, sorry. Yeah. And we're all like, we're not, we're not all pure in this. Cause it's like, you don't know where your stuff's grown and you can't, you can't, you can't figure out every little piece of your, uh, your life, but you can, uh, you know, the, the local store, uh, the, the K and K food leaner here, which makes is a great butcher shop and German food store down the street, locally owned, uh, the, the, the baker down the street near you. Um, it, well, it costs a bit more, but like get yourself to a place maybe where you can vote more with your money. Yeah. Uh, because again, sometimes we don't have a choice, but if we do this, these things are, are going to become more available to people and they will become cheaper when uh, these more local or more reasonably produced uh, uh, things are used more. So definitely vote with your money as well as with your vote. Yes, yeah, that's crucial actually because money speaks louder than votes because money buys votes these days. That's the problem with lobbying. Um, the other thing is with, uh, inflation, like there, there's a lot of economists and politicians that are talking about how inflation is productive because it stimulates growth, but this gets back to like inflated job numbers because we're changing the goalposts and calling a part-time job equal to a full-time job. So inflation saying that somebody's saving money is now forced to lose spending power on their savings because they're enforcing inflation. They're making prices rise artificially. A person, uh, inflation, I think, is counterproductive to innovation. And the reason why I say that is because somebody who's willing to work three part-time jobs to save a bit of money can't invest that money into productive work for their future because it's it's being eroded as time goes by and because they're earning so slowly it's harder for them to accumulate it before it erodes away so it's incentivizing people with lots of money who don't need to work and uh it disincentivizes people who want to work and can work but uh are trying to 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 make way by their by themselves anyway. yeah I, w I was just going to wrap up anyway i was talking about um how inflation disincentivizes poor people to save because their their savings are eroded away before they can save enough to make um, uh, an investment in their own future. So if you're working three part-time jobs, saving five bucks per week per job, and prices go up by $10 per year, your savings are so slow that you can't outpace them on your own. Right. So now, Inflation those people, disincentivizes poor people and it incentivizes rich people who don't need to work or invest. It does the could, opposite of what it claims to do. Could in we practice. put inflation in, uh, well, cause you have certain things that, um, that I've heard that I hear all the time and I use like candy, uh, for the people saying them is that you hear these words inflation and you also hear in the same breath, uh, the, 
the phrase interest rates are going this way or that way. And that means you are going to have this, you know, mm. we're told to, uh, you know, trust that. And I have trouble because I don't actually really understand how an interest rate affects uh, inflation. So inflation is the inflation is, it's a little complex, but it seems to me to be the thing that make, if you, your money doesn't, isn't worth as much. So yeah, you, it's an erosion of the buying power you have. So right. if you have a hundred dollars today, you can buy a hundred dollars worth of stuff through inflation. It means that your, your hundred dollar item is going to be a higher price later. Right. So you still have a hundred dollars in, in number, but the value of your hundred dollars is eroded. And that's, right. they use that word because it's a function of time. Right. So, so inflation over time erodes your savings. So you want to keep a constant low inflation in order to maintain the growth, but you don't want deflation or rampant inflation because well, then the, people can't buy anything. What the then, government and the bankers will tell you is you want inflation to stimulate growth because what they're saying is if you're worried that your savings are going to be worth less tomorrow, it's going to encourage you to invest them in something today. Ah. So that you don't lose money from it. So it's just that you. That's you the idea behind so it. So people think that their money needs to get out of their hands. Yeah. So that's. But what they're doing is they're stealing. They're stealing yes. wealth from people who earned it, in order to stimulate growth, which is just a metric that they choose to religiously follow. Mm -hmm. So if prices didn't move and you could save money. You could take your time to start your dream business of a restaurant. You could do it at 40 and save $5 or $20, you know, every paycheck for your whole life and do it at four and no big deal. But right. with inflation, you don't have the option to, to pace yourself. The well, only pace you can do is all at once. And that forces other, people to get into debt. The other barrier to that seems to be, well, okay, I take five bucks and I make it a hundred bucks by patience and hard work. Um, but then I say, okay, how can I turn this? uh five this hundred bucks into something else and i say okay i can i'll invest it but then the barriers to actually getting into investing are seem to be you know it's this it's this, it's this gated thing where either you need to have enough money to actually get into the game or you need to just go through a investment firm or a bank who i don't it just seems like I shouldn't trust them. <laughs> uh, it's just like, oh, yeah, let me just do your money. It's just like. Eh. Well, that, that's one way of investing, though. But yeah. I think what I'm getting at is the principle of it is forcing people to invest in order to not lose to me is theft. That's just yes. wrong. So forcing inflate, let inflation happen if it happens. That's just, you know, price dynamics of. of right. Inter, it's inter the market doing its trade. thing and you need to react to it. And but to encourage inflation by by point of policy to force it on people so that they can't just save and live off of savings when they're old. To mm -hmm. me, that's criminal. And the reason why is because like poor people who are saving small amounts, if their, their small amounts are eroded, they never have a chance to invest it in something that will make them not poor. No, You're only but... giving the incentives to people who don't need more money to, to put their money into something that makes money. That's what inflation actually does. It makes a millionaire not want to lose a hundred grand because that's a lot of money. But losing a hundred dollars to ninety dollars may not sound like a lot of money, but that's the difference between a bike and getting a courier job and starting your first business and still saving up five dollars a week to try and get that first bike so you can start your business.
Well, that is one thing a government can do is make it easier for people to start those businesses, make it so that those mm -hmm. barriers to get balls rolling in the market is easier. Because if you get if you have 900 people starting a business in uh, in a given period of time, that's and you know half of them succeed for a year, and then you know a bunch of them succeed for five years, or you still have those ones that are succeeding for five years that are creating uh, growth and have, you actually have jobs created. And they're but, productive. They're all doing something. They right, can but all if you say, only, my business does this. Right. But if now I remember being in Italy where everyone's uh, talking about we were in uh, Ortona and the guide, the uh, historical guide was telling us how people were, the unemployment was high because everyone was just waiting for their chance to get into a government job. And the there was no way someone in uh, especially the south part of Italy uh, was able to save up enough to actually start and get through the barriers of uh, starting an enterprise. So there was no incentive. There was the only the thing that people could hope for is to get a government job, which would be temporary. You'd only get it for like two years. Uh, and it's not even safe because like policy could eliminate that job. So you are waiting your turn to be into part of the market instead of just going ahead and becoming part of the market and it was evident what that's what that town needed it just by looking at it and saying oh well, we need this uh we could use a lumber company probably uh we could use an import company and like they had a good port. wasted labor too right you have all those people waiting for jobs and saying oh well they're all poor so they're sitting at home um it's like oh now they have enough money to buy a video game console and play video games all day but they don't have enough money to buy it uh, uh, or to fix so, their homes. <laughs> right. And so you have a lot of wasted everything, uh, wasted space, wasted people, wasted time. Yeah. And we could probably do a whole episode on, uh, on Italy actually, cause it's really fascinating. Oh, their, their, so their involvement with their currency, with the Euro really changes all the dynamics of what their government's capable of doing by, by changing policy. Cause their fiscal policy is related directly to their currency, which they have no control over. Right. And their election, they, they have, they hold elections every year, mm. which it's, that's, that's a bit too much. But uh, they, they've also <laughs> got like families that have been entrenched in, in politics for like centuries too. So there, there's a yeah. whole bunch of nepotism there. There's a whole bunch of, there's a lot of complicated issues with them. This, the relationship between the North and the South. Yeah. With the and the island, the country. like Sicily. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's just so much to unpack there. Um, yeah, too much for, for today's episode. We can get an Italian in one day and he could tell us. Yeah, stories. we should. So um, let's. Uh, but if we could wrap up, maybe I think uh, I think we've yeah. most of the, the fundamental grounding principles. And the message I wanted to get across was mostly just to have people think about the the function, the role and function of a marketplace is not to make people obscenely wealthy. It allows for people to get obscenely wealthy if you're productive and useful or if you invent something good. But the fail safes that we have in place to try and encourage or stimulate growth are based on metrics that are just goalposts that we move for political gain. Mm -hmm. And it's the wrong people are writing the rules is basically what I want to get at. And like you said, you can vote with your money where you choose to, to spend your money and what you buy. Uh, if you pay a little more for a butcher shop, you're actually supporting humankind. So do that. And, uh, I think the other thing is that wealth, quite wealth, isn't exactly the point. 
Uh, one thing I learned when I started to have disposable income available was that mm -hmm. the amount of money that you need in your life is enough. <laughs> yeah. And after everything after that is gravy. Um, and so and there, and if you drown your, you drown your steak in gravy, well, you've ruined your steak. So, and if you um, need like spikes around a moat around your home to protect yourself from people who are poorer than you, then you probably have too much money. Yeah, you should there. be giving that away. <laughs> There's something wrong there. Yeah. Um, so you need to protect uh, yourself from your neighbors. You're, you're stealing from them. Just so point blank. I think that was a, a good thing. So uh, you, that last little point you came up there with, which was really good, turn that into a clip. I think oh, we have a lot you. of little things that we uh, we can turn into clips for this one. This is a very long episode. So yeah, um, I'm not sure how I'm going to break one, it down, but that'll be fun. <laughs> we can um, we just all put it in one and they can just keep pausing. Oh, uh, I was thinking three. Three might three be might, good for this one. Yeah. So um, a lot of stuff we just barely touched on and we could probably go on for eight more hours. So uh, if you are watching this and you have gotten this far, please comment. Uh, ask us to uh, go into more detail if you want to know about or if you're still confused on something, tell us because if you're confused, that means you're not the only one that's confused. Mm -hmm. um, and we want to try to make uh, concepts that are intentionally confusing uh, a little less confusing. And But some of these are confusing because they are extremely complicated. Um, such as the nature of reality or <laughs> just interest. try and refine our simplicity look up inflation on wikipedia and uh yeah good luck <laughs> yeah investopedia um, is a fantastic resource though if you mm -hmm. need to dump like not dumb it down but like if you need to understand any complex concept um investopedia is like the wikipedia of investments so you can learn like what yield and bonds are and like how different uh like the greeks they call them the alpha delta gamma and stuff of options tradings and co contract coupons and you can learn all kinds of awesome stuff at investopedia but i don't recommend it <laughs> because it's a it's a lot to swallow it's just um, conceptually deep my final thing would be go when you're going into stores it's okay to be belligerent mm -hmm. or at least not completely polite where's the civility mean? You are allowed to not buy something when you go into a store. If you don't like it, it doesn't matter if you hurt their feelings. If they don't meet your criteria, go somewhere else. You're allowed to. Yeah. So, um, thanks for tuning in, though. Like, yeah, comment, thanks for tuning share, in. Subscribe. I, it's free and it helps the channel out. And if you give us suggestions, and we can write content that actually matters to you. So. Yeah, this would be a good follow-up episode. So, yeah, leave comments. Um, and share with your friends. I hope you, uh, thanks for the conversation. Cheers, brother. Cheers. I'll <laughs> see you next week. Ciao.